0: But the work really has to be twofold—it's your agent and you, because you're making the connections, you're you're reaching out to people on Facebook and calling, and, and you know sending out emails, and so are they. And it's it's really—I can't say it enough—it's about being nice, sure that you're being kind. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble.
1: Hey, hey, this is Brie Noble, and you are tuned in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And on today's episode, I've got an interview with a true dyed-in-the-wool female entrepreneur, Bridget Kelly. You are going to love hearing from her. She's so authentic. And one thing I got from her interview is how much she absolutely loves her fans, how much she works hard all the time to connect with them in as many ways as possible, and how much she loves the blues. So if you're a blues artist, you're really going to get a lot of great tips from this episode. If you're not, that's okay. You're going to learn a ton from Bridget Kelly just about how she interacts with her audiences and engages with her fans. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her in a minute. But first, I want to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Muddy Paw PR. This episode of The Female Entrepreneur Musician is brought to you in part by Muddy Paw PR. Through their highly personalized public relations campaigns for DIY artists, they've secured placements on Alternative Press, Substream, New Noise, and more, with their artists going on to play festivals like Warped Tour, So What, and gain licensing deals and regular rotation in stores like Starbucks and Hollister. Find out more at MuddyPawPR.com. Now, here's some information about my guest, Bridget Kelly. The Bridget Kelly Band is an electronic blues band that rocks the house with a unique blend of hot smoking blues. Their new CD, Blues Warrior, was just released on June 1st, 2018 and is deeply and personally important to Bridget. It was inspired by Me Too and covers issues such as homelessness, domestic violence, human trafficking, Cabrini-Green Chicago Project's demolition, and heroin addiction in young adults. Their most recent CD, Bone Rattler, released May in 2017, charted on the RNR Electric Blues chart at number one for over six months. Here is my interview with Bridget Kelly. So that's a little bit about Bridget Kelly. So Bridget, is there anything about you that's maybe unique, quirky, um, something that's just a little bit different about you that's not mentioned in your bio?
0: I guess I would say that it's the relationship between me and my husband, Tim, who's the guitar player, that we're so close and we gravitate towards others in a loving way. I find that to be probably my quirkiest thing.
1: Mm. Well, it sounds like a great thing for sure.
0: I like it a lot. Yeah, that's my, my mission statement is to, um, it's not about financial or it, it, it's not even about the art as much as it is about connecting and connecting with people and being loving to others.
2: I love
1: that. That is great. Tell our listeners how you got started in music.
0: Well, I started as a child, just being so interested in, my mother was wonderful that she, liked all music and shared all music with me. And I was signed up for piano lessons when I was six. But I my, I remember mostly being four years old and listening to Neil Diamond and telling my mom that someday I'd be on the radio. Mm. Yeah, and so she ended up kind of helping me in that genre and signing me up for things and that, like I was in a little play when I was young. And But that, then um, I came across Florida Folk, and I ended up playing in the Florida folk circuits for quite a bit. And eventually Tim Sick came across my path and he told me, he said, Bridget, you should be a blues singer. And I said, Oh no, no way. <laughs> That'll ruin my voice of you know, playing in front of a drum and he's like, Oh, I'll go out and buy you a ten thousand dollar PA and he went out and bought me a PA and then he had me sing with the PA and I said, Okay, I can do this. <laughs>
1: Mm. Oh, that's, that's cool. So why, why did he think, what did he hear that made him think you needed to be a blues singer?
0: I think he liked the texture of my voice and uh, he identified it with, you know, other blues artists. I know I was singing with just my guitar in a pizza place and he came to listen and he said, I can work with that. He goes, Mm -hmm. you have a great sound. So I believe it was, you know, something he heard personally, because I frankly didn't hear it. I did not think I would be a great blues singer at all. I felt that folk was my wheelhouse. I'm more melodic. I'm Irish. I sing storytelling. And so it was really an odd concept for me all the way around to jump into the blues. And I have been happy as a clam ever since I made that choice to say yes.
1: That's so cool. Now, were you also writing? Did you totally change your writing style then? Uh, The writing style became...
0: More exciting because Tim and I collaborate. Uh, what will happen is when we write it's an interesting process we will we will just start playing a song with the band and then from there we'll either record it or at that moment i'll sit down with a pen and paper um, and just it, but it's very collaborative and like Tim and i i'll have an idea and he'll re- he'll redline it and then he'll have an idea and i'll redline it and it's really uh, a Uh, exciting and fun process.
1: Mm, Now I've never written in the blues. Does it, does it start, since you're saying it starts with the band, does it tend to start with like a riff or a chord progression? Ours does. Okay. The
0: way that we write. Uh, I I tried, I tried, I go, I'm writing a book as well and it's called flirting (laughs) with death and other fine stories. I go up to my cabin, I have a cabin up in Georgia and I'll just sit and write and write and write, but that is not how I write the best songs. Um, when um, I tried doing that, out came a folk song that we couldn't even use. So mm. Tim's like, uh, no, we can't put that on the CD. It's too folky. I'm like, drats. Okay, let's try again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny. So at this point, do you consider yourself a full-time musician? Or are there other ways that you make money, whether that's you know, from music-related things or not?
0: I am a full-time musician. However, I'm very blessed <laughs> Um, to own a small Montessori school with 45 students. So it's directed and managed uh, by a wonderful person who I've, who's who been there for over 30 years, uh, Tepa Harrington from Samoa, and then my daughter, and the two of them run it, and then I just can go off and
1: play music. That's really cool. Well, I got to find out, how did you get started with a Montessori school?
0: I used to work at the Milwaukee Journal, and uh, I was an advertising Girl Friday, I would cut out ads and type on a correcting selectric, (laughs) And I had to type up all these ads and cut out with rubber cement and then run them up to the the newspaper guy. And uh, he would take them and print them. And I saw a little tiny ad that said Montessori teacher. I was going to school at the University of Wisconsin for fine art. I got my bachelor's in fine art in sculpture. And I ended up applying and got the job. And I've been there ever since.
1: Oh my gosh. That's, that's cool. So, but it's, it's great that you then now have the ability to go out and do your music and not to have to worry as much about, so I'm assuming that's like recurring income that you can fall back on.
0: I almost want to cry thinking about it because it is so fantastically Mm. wonderful that I'm so blessed and, and I, I can't, I almost feel like every single thing that I have done has set me up for music. Like even I used to work for Gillick, Murphy, Gillick, Burden and Wicked. And it was a, attorneys, you know, when I was like 17. And it, it taught me uh, phone skills. You know, mm. every small thing that I have done has set me up for the gin rummy of music.
1: That's so, so true. That's- like I don't think about those old jobs, you know, when I used to work in accounts receivable and had to call people up and, you know, ask them for money and things like that. Like how did that translate into you know, calling up for booking calls and things like that. You know, I I hadn't really thought about those connections, but it is true that everything that we do in life really translates eventually into something that you're doing now. You just, good or bad, right? I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. So um, we have a lot of struggling musicians listening to this show that really want to make it to where you are. Do you have any like stories that you can tell about the days when you were struggling and it was hard and you were banging your head against the wall, wondering if, you know, I should just give up on this and how you pulled through that and what you learned. I think
0: every single time I am about to give up, which it's not often, but you are there, you know, musicians, you're, I I, like when I went to Milwaukee and I, went to the hotel at like two in the morning and it had been closed because there was prostitution. And I'm like, Oh, what am I doing here? You know, stuff like that makes you want to give up. But um, every time I'm about to give up, something happens that's so encouraging. Like maybe someone will say something to me or I'll get a big festival or every single time. And so to be aware and to look out for those golden gems that keep you going The other thing is if I smile through anything, they call me the smiling girl of the blues because when I'm singing, I'm so happy that I just keep smiling and smiling and people have come up to me and said, how can you smile when you're singing the blues? And it's like, I can't not. So smiling through adversity and then being aware of the gifts that keep you going.
1: Yeah, do you have any, like, way or ritual that you keep to remind yourself of those golden gems when you're frustrated? Like, I know I, I tell my students to keep a, like a testimonials file or a, what what do they have different names for it? Like, you know, happy moments or, you know, a pick me up or something like that file to look at when you're really frustrated.
0: I don't really have that. But what I try to do is every morning when I wake up, I take just a moment to meditate. And I have these readings, like I have a Cherokee uh, book of days that I read. And it's, that's super cool. I like that book a lot. And I I do. It's not, I'm not, I'm not the best at meditating. But Mm. I take a moment in the morning to think how lucky I am. Every morning I try to do that.
1: That's a really important practice, I think, you know, gratitude and just just realizing like where you are and what you've gone through to get here and how happy you are that you're there. I think that's really important. And I know that I'm not the best meditator either because it's hard for me to sit still for very long, but I think it's really important practice for sure. Yeah, I can't sit still either. I <laughs> try.
0: <laughs> I, try. <laughs> I, I have, we have a uh, Mark Armbrecht. he's like a Zen master and he's our bass player and we call him the band Buddha. Mm-hmm. He gives me so, me so much advice on how to just be happy and grateful. So he helps a lot, too. He's a good guy.
1: That's nice that you have somebody like that to ground you, you know, when you're touring and stuff.
0: It's true. I really uh, like everyone in the band. There, when we tour, there's three guys and me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I always say, I don't live alone. I live with three guys in a van. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yep. That's true. So, you guys have won a lot of awards and gotten some really great chart positions and done some really big festivals. Like, what has been the most mind blowing experience that you've had out of all that? That you're like, pinch me, I can't believe this is happening to me.
0: I think there are two. The first one was I was trying to, you know, cut a CD when I met Tim. And he brought me under his wing, and he professionally cut the first CD, and now we're on, like, our sixth. But um, when I first heard the songs that were more that were professional mm. and they were high quality, I just burst into tears because I couldn't imagine getting there, and there it was. That I, and the first thing I did was run down and share it with my mom, mm. which was really awesome. And then up the first festival that was huge where we had, like, you know, three four thousand people when we booked it. I was at in Milwaukee, laying in my sister's guest room, and I get a phone call from a festival promoter. And this was like, geez, probably two thousand twelve. It was the Bradenton Blues Fest, and it was for the appetizer, and it was Greg Herndon. I remember that call, and I just went, "What? Yay! Mm. <laughs> <It was> awesome!" <laughs> Ugh. I was thrilled, I, and I still get thrilled. Every festival, we did Northwoods uh. Blues. We're doing it in two years, and every festival that I get a call for, I'm like, "This is festivals are the bomb because they're just a big party.
1: Now, do you do you go out and, and pitch to those festivals, or did they find you? A little bit of everything.
0: You won't believe it, but a lot of my connections are through Facebook. Mm-hmm. Not to, you know, not like I'm, I, they don't pay me or anything, but um, – <laughs> And uh, I have a booking agent, Doug Tackett from Road Dog. He connects with festivals, but a lot of it is personal connections. Like uh, a guy will call me, he met me over there and he'll say, oh, we have a festival over here and here's the promoter. And then I call them. It's, it's through the, the people, the, the, the people you meet and the people that you fall in love with. That's where you get most of your shows and festivals. You know, if you're a grumpy Gus, forget about it.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. You just no, have They to know finish. that you're going to be smiling through the blues, so they're going to call you. That's right. That's what I hope for. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you have a booking agent. Like have you always had one or did you do your own booking for a while? Do you kind of do your some of your own and have him do some? How does that work?
0: It was a interesting journey and new musicians can, you know, feel this because at first no one wanted to talk to me at all. And I was working with, I, I, I would get a booking agent I and then nothing would happen. Like I had one booking agent for a year, got one show and <sighs> I did all the rest. And then I got a booking agent in Jersey, two shows for a year. I, it was mm-hmm. like crazy. But Doug is fabulous. He He's, I, I we've just signed on with Road Dogg in January and the, between the two of us, it's been boom, Amazing. But almost, but the work really has to be twofold. It's your agent and you, because you're making the connections. You're, you're reaching out to people on Facebook and calling and, and, you know, sending out emails and so are they. And it's, it's really, I can't say it enough. It's about being nice. Sure that you're being kind.
1: Well, and I think that's an important point too. Like you don't just get an agent and go, okay, that's taken care of. Like I don't have to do any booking. You are still constantly making those connections and reaching out and, And it's just going to make your agent's job easier and your job easier to work together.
0: Yeah. And I think that some of that is the fun of it because like uh, we play Darwin's a lot lot, and I love the owner, Lindsay. We, we have, she's like an amazing, wonderful, strong woman who's running her own business in Atlanta in a mostly male dominated, Mm. you know, she's running a blues club and she's amazing. And so I enjoy talking to her too. So it's, it's too, she does as much for me as I do for her.
1: Absolutely. So since you mentioned that, like a, a woman in a man's world, like do you find as a woman in the blues world, is, is it more male dominated? Um, you know, what's kind of the state of women in music in general, in your opinion, and then maybe in the blues sector?
0: When I first started, I did, I wasn't aware of it at all. I, did, I didn't even think of it. Well, then I came across uh, national women in the blues and they gave me, uh, insight. You know, they went, they gave me that aha moment of, Hey, wait a minute. That festival is all male. Hey, wait a minute. They're only booking men. And, um, what, what they have done is they have educated me in a way that I can make a difference. So like recently I saw a festival that was all male. So I called the promoter and I said, you know, women in blues is a buzzword. If you have a festival with all men, that's going to make you look really, really bad. <laughs> I said, you, you don't have to call me or hire me, but at least hire a woman. And then that festival ended up doing a whole Sunday women in blues and mm-hmm. hired like four women. They, they weren't even aware of it themselves. So, yeah, making a difference, being aware, you know, putting yourself out there and saying, hey, you have an all-male festival or you're only hiring guys, you know, hey, let's let's make this fair.
1: Yeah, I think that's important. Like, sometimes maybe they're just not aware and, and to not be like, go in like with this anger mode, but, you know, say like, did you realize that how this is coming across? Because I had this experience once too, where I I saw that somebody was doing a virtual summit and I literally was like, oh my gosh, this is all male speakers. Like what is up? So I actually wrote to them and I said, you know, I'd be happy to promote this, but my audience is all female and I just can't promote this to them because you have no female speakers. Have you, do you realize that? And they wrote back to me and they're like, you know, we've been trying to get some females and we couldn't find any. They're like, would you like to speak? And I'm like, totally would, you know, representing. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen when you do something like that.
0: Yeah. And then um, it it just makes me feel good as a person to be aware and to try to make a difference in that area. I mean, when I was little, there was Helen Reddy, hear me Mm. roar, I am woman. And my mom was a feminist that she, she worked with, you know, unions and she was just this really strong woman. And I realized that I thought it was already changed. Mm-hmm. I just thought, oh yeah, that's so seventies that happened a long time ago now. And what what's happening is I'm like, wait a minute in the blues genre, it's really not changed yet. And so I'm having a big women in blues concert, May 20th here in Gainesville. There's 17 blues women who are coming. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be a huge event. And uh, I feel like they have their moment to shine and, and a voice and, I'm usually a part of the one in Memphis in January as well, so it, you know women in blues is a big thing it's a big buzzword,
3: and I'm excited about it that is and this is what i've what i you know so there's that there's those those tips for challenges that I come up against or just something I haven't thought of. Someone asked the other day about um the monitors the ear in ear monitors, and I was mm-hmm. working with voice therapy. Of a year or so ago. And she asked me if I used that. And I was like, no. So now I have a few suggestions going back to that post of what I might look for and how I might get one that will work for me. And I think that would be helpful. So it's just from little things like that to the, to the really big questions. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that because we all work at a different pace and, um, and I certainly work at a much slower pace than I used to, I used to be able to keep 17 balls in the air at once, you know, now one, I'm lucky um, that uh, that this is, this is just something where I can, I can go in, I can have a look. Now I must say um, there are lots of things about it. I haven't, um, I haven't taken advantage of. And if you, uh, Sheila was mentioning the um, women of substance, I haven't submitted anything yet. I know I can because of Patreon and so forth. And um, I just I just haven't, but I will. I will for sure. Mm. It's just going to be timing.
1: Yeah. And I wanted to mention, since you were saying, you know, you're on a fixed income and all that, I mean, we just so appreciate you being a Patreon supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one reason we wanted to have Sheila and Catherine on here is because they have been supporters of us on Patreon. And that's something we set up to help support the free group because we do have Beth managing it. And, you know, there's a lot of resources that go into that. And so we totally appreciate you guys uh, supporting us. And we, we, one thing we wanted to do before we get into the kind of roundtable discussion is I would love to have Beth just read out the names of all of our supporters on Patreon because we really
2: appreciate all of you guys. We sure do. We are really thrilled. And Catherine and Sheila, we especially appreciate y'all supporting us on Patreon um, so yes, yeah, so I want to uh, just share, uh, we have our new, actually our newest supporter is Sue Behaguer. And Sue, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. Sue just joined yesterday um, as a super fan. And Michelle Schaefer is also a super fan. And we want to uh, give a special shout out to, to Denise uh, Dimon, uh, who might have been our first supporter. Uh, she was close to it. Yeah, uh, Lainey Risto uh, is our supporter. We appreciate her. And then uh, we also appreciate Margaret Evans, Laura Musgrave, Erica Olson, Sheila Verkamp, Sheila here, Catherine M. Thompson, Joe Folks, Laurie Miller, Gracious Me, which is a stage name for uh, one of our members. Robin Montesoro, and Mara murphy Barose, and Carlene Thyssen. And then we also have a few supporters who um, are not receiving benefits at this point. So especially, um, we appreciate them as well. Uh, they, well, I'll, let me just say Whitney McHale uh, is receiving uh, some rewards through Patreon. Uh, and then we have Sandra Bogart. Aisha Casimir, Aisha, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, and Magdalene Blue. So, a big, huge shout out to you, ladies, for just stepping up and believing in us and supporting. It really goes to um, help all the free training. Bree does a lot of training for free. These podcasts, it takes a lot of time and resources. And um, myself managing the community and just, you know, the involvement of, of every, everything that goes into it. So it goes to women of substance, radio, podcast, female entrepreneur, musician, and um, thank you ladies for making it possible. Um, So we appreciate it. And if any of the, if any ladies out there are thinking about contributing, we would encourage you to. So maybe now would be a good time to, um, to have Catherine and Sheila tell us why um, they decided to contribute to Patreon. So, Catherine, you want to start? Um, well, I've um, musicians are the only people that
3: I um, support usually. Musicians and the occasional uh, filmmaker that I will support through a GoFundMe or whatever it is, and a Patreon. Um, and the thing I like to I like about Patreon. Is that I can make a small contribution each month, so it's not like sending hundred dollars to Jazz FM or something like that. Um, and um, I had I had taken off all of my Patreon um, contributions for a while when I was doing Cool Cat, and I thought, well, I will. I'm supporting two things on Patreon now. One is. Are you people? Um, And it's a very small contribution. I think it's like $5 a month or something. And then the other one is a young songwriter that I know that I just love. She's still in her teens, and I give her a dollar a month. So it's not very much. But I, but I like I like the whole idea of Patreon in that it's an ongoing thing and with enough enough contributors it makes the it will make uh, the contributions to your community um, substantial.
1: So it's painless and I love it. Yeah. Seriously, imagine if everybody in the group contributed one dollar, we would have over three thousand dollars <laughs> a month. So it's right. um, kind That's of amazing right. to think yeah. of it that way. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, you know, at the $5 level, is going to tell you, be, yeah, be sure to send in because you do get a free song submission every month. It sounds like you're going to start taking advantage of that. And so yeah, we'd love so to, in, to
3: have you in do In May, that. I think it was something to do with Mother's Will. The only Mother's song I have was one I wrote for my mother's 100th birthday. And it's mm. uh, never been recorded. And it's, yeah, it's a family song. So
2: mm. <laughs> this month. <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. We look forward to, yeah, to hearing Mm. your songs, submissions. All right. Well, Sheila, um, why don't you share with us too, why you joined our um, Patreon campaign and and what you like about it?
4: Well, I like it for the same reasons as Catherine. It's a, a small, ongoing donation. And I just, I'm thinking about the wealth of knowledge and information that I've received through your community. And I don't know why everybody hasn't jumped on board (laughs) is contributing Mm -hmm. like like you said even a dollar a month or five dollars a month whatever they can um i've learned about specifics to help my own even though i've been teaching for 20 years i've learned about how to increase my income as a music teacher um i've learned about blockchain social media house concerts i mean the, the list just goes on and on um recording production festivals all kinds of things so a lot of um areas in the music business that have become demystified through um, female indie music community. WOS, I think is great for just inspiring music. So, I mean, it's a no brainer to me. I just think it's just a teeny tiny bit of contribution when I see the amount of work that goes into what both Brie and you do, Beth. uh,
1: well thank you thank you so much that is so thank- awesome i want to just yeah. mention there's several people that we mentioned um in the chat they may not have been here when we mentioned their names but if all of you guys in this chat that are our patreon um from p- supporting us on patreon like michelle like carlene um we did mention all of your names and we appreciate all of you so thank you so much um now i you know you guys know me like i don't love to like promote stuff too much. So that's, that's my quick little promotion for Patreon. I did put it into the chat here. Those of you that are in the academy, like you support me and us like a ton every month being a member of the academy. So we don't, you know, we don't expect you guys to go on the Patreon route, unless of course you want to get the, um, the great benefits of submitting to women of substance. But we really appreciate all of you that are in the free group that are willing to help out and help just pay to keep it a good group, a spam free group. And, you know, Beth does a lot of work in the group to make sure that it stays a good place. And we have a lot more planned. So that's why we're talking about that now. So I want to get into this idea of women in music and, you know, what maybe you guys have experienced as women in music that you think is, is unique to women. So um, again, those of you that are in the chat, I wanted to hear if you had anything specific that you think women face in music that maybe men don't, or that it's hard for men to understand the perspective that we're coming from. So if you want to type that in the chat, and then I'd love to hear if there's any more comments. I know you guys mentioned a little bit, um, both of you about that and why you joined the group, but is there anything you'd like to say about, about women in music and why why you think it may be a unique perspective in the business? Um, Yes,
4: I definitely have a lot to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll try and
1: keep it brief.
4: I think, you know, just uh, thinking about my own experience of making an album, right from like walking into the first music shop to rent equipment to – right through production, the first people you're dealing with is men, engineers, Mm -hmm. producers, uh, equipment rentals, sales people, radio people. It's a very um, male-dominated culture on every single level, right up to conductors, uh, everything. So I find that being involved with the female community is really empowering because it takes that takes that pressure off we're we already know we're all women. And we can focus in on our art and what we're creating as a person, first and foremost. Um, you know, even when you think about if, you know, pitching yourself to submit songs, it's like the genres of female musician or female singer songwriter, or if you're a drummer, you're not just a drummer, you're a female drummer, there's a sort of exoticism to it that seems to take away from the actual art in general so I like initiatives that are female-based I never used to but as I'm aging especially there's less of a a place for women of a certain age it's you know in the commercial world so I'm more attracted to things that are um, inclusive of women and uh run by women as well because there's a different a different perspective all around um this quickly i know that there's a in the uk there's a wall of sounds um director's series and i noticed that beth orton recently hosted it and they actually just made it just for women this one time just to mm. sort of Balance things out because you know only one in four of the applicants were women. So, you know, I think there's more and more initiatives and more and more discussion around this. Um, yeah, thank goodness. Important. I think there
1: is more and more nowadays. And I did want to mention, like, we I try to bring these things to you when I find them in the group. And one of those things is SoundGirls.org. We have established kind of a partnership with them because we feel like we're serving you know similar audiences and we want to really help just promote women in the industry and so um if you're ever looking for a sound person or if you are working in the sound world you definitely want to be involved in soundgirls.org and I posted in the group that the link to their directory um but that's a really good good point about like it feels like sometimes that everybody we encounter in the business is male and it kind of Goes to uh, Catherine Mahler in the chat said that she hates it when she's dealing with a sound person and she asks for something and he doesn't do anything. But then when her husband asks for something, he fixes it. Oh, good grief.
4: <sighs> Where is this?
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> that is frustrating. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Okay, um, Catherine. Yeah, I'll, I'll with just see. <laughs> I'll just keep it brief. The uh, It's
3: like I said, it's very much like what Sheila said. I find the songwriting communities in uh, around um, Hamilton, Toronto are very inclusive, like lots of women involved. What frustrates me is when you see a program for something like the Burlington Sound of Music, and you have to go through the enormous list of musicians that are going to be in those on those stages to find the women, Mm. you know. Um, i'm a couple of years ago out of the whole um mean, this this uh thing lasts from june 9th to june 17th and last year the list included about three women i mean it was just mind-boggling now these are not all songwriters of course they're they're pop bands and and rock and roll bands and some of them have been around for years but it, it i've just i've I find it mind boggling in this day and age. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I put such pressure on the, um, founders of, uh, and organizers of song studio. Um, when I would go for, for, for the week long intensive and all of the faculty members, but maybe one would be male. And, um, and and I, a, a few years ago, they, they finally got the message and now it's quite lovely. They're getting great. Like we had Shelly Paikin last year. She was fantastic. And uh, Margie Evans and a number of people, not only songwriters uh, mentoring the students there, but also people in the industry who are producers, who are um, uh, A&R people and uh, sync people and so on. So they're out there, they're just and I think that as time goes on, like is happening in film and television, those positions will be filled more with women. But I think um, communities like this and anywhere where you can have a platform for women in the meantime, is really, really important to get those voices out there.
1: Yeah, and I think it's really important. I'm glad you spoke up about that um, with them because I think it's important that we all do speak up when we see that. And sometimes I do find that either they've tr- they've tried to find women to fit in there and haven't found them, maybe just because they don't have the right network, or yeah, they're so just totally so ignorant about it. I mean, this has happened to me before, and I'll say like, "Do you notice that your entire panel is men?" And they're like, "Oh." I didn't, you know, or I just didn't think of that or whatever I was thinking. I was thinking about being diverse in a different way. So um, it's important for us to speak up. And I will say that I've seen a lot, a lot, a lot of articles about women at festivals. And there's a lot of people trying to make change in that area, especially this year. And so I'm hoping that by next year, it won't even be a topic that comes across my Google alert, because it'll just (laughs) Be a thing that women are equally represented at festivals, but you know, usually change doesn't happen that quickly. So I'm hopeful, but um, I did want to jump in here with what Carleen said. She said that she's never had issues being a women woman in music, but she does notice when she listens to country radio that there are not that many women represented there. And again, I think that's another place that thing are that people are speaking up and I see a lot of things come across, um, the news about women in country music and getting this inequality fixed. And I think there are people that are doing that now, but it's going to be a while because it has been like what 80 to 90% men. When you listen to the radio, do you guys have any opinions about like the radio? And yeah.
4: The- well, I think, well, I think radio, you know, we have a social and a cultural and an aesthetic influence, because the majority of men, in at least in Canada, they're the hosts of the shows are men when mm-hmm. it comes to things like music anyway. So I think, you know, already we've got, you know, they're asking the wrong questions, or they're focusing in on the wrong things. Or, you know, that's why I find WS so refreshing, because it's open, it's open wide, we don't have this like, oh, well, you know, you're not you know, the, of this age or this. So I think, you know, radio is a big, huge influence uh, because of that, just because of the, the majority of hosts being men. And I think there, are, when I find a, uh, you know, what woman who's hosting a, a radio show that's based on music, I mean, there's other weather and this kind of thing, but based on music, I find it quite refreshing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. And my goal with women of substance was not to like separate the women out, but to give us a platform where we can shine yeah. so other people can find us and you know the, mm-hmm. i think there's been a misconception sometimes that i was like oh well we the women need to be over here because mm-hmm. we're not having representation here and no that we just want to find the best female artists so we can say hey everybody if you want to find female artists if you're interested in getting more on your station then this is where you find them
4: mhm that's great yeah
3: <laughs> I did want to say one, one other thing, and this is sort of jumping off something that Sheila said earlier, which is about um, the genres and so on, because um, I I started going to um, songwriting um, um, sort of evaluation groups, probably about 15 years ago. And I found there were so many kind of, you know, the Nashville rules and the, this and that, the other thing. And, um, and uh, what, what I've experienced perhaps, perhaps because of my age is that I finally got to the point where I said, I don't have to wait until I've, I've written a certain song that fits, you know, in, in a certain hole, like mm-hmm. a peg in a hole um, that I could embrace the kind of um, diversity of the genres that I write in and simply uh, you know, say here, here are my songs. And um, so when I'm at uh, 120 diner on Saturday night and I'm doing a, a little banter and a little acapella song in between uh, sets while I'm waiting for to introduce the next group you know I'll go ahead and and sing something that is very um, lyrical or I will do um, a piece that I'm gonna be in the next one which is like almost a rap it's a very um, out there, spoken word piece slash song, and and I, you know, it doesn't matter if it fits into uh, the sort of um, genre of the evening or whatever. And and actually, I find people are coming; they they actually like it. They like the diversity. They like the jumping out of the mm-hmm. out of the no, of the norm. So I think that's something else that women can contribute to that they can just say, "Well, we don't necessarily." you know, fit into the Nashville rules or to some of the things that people have said have to be there to make it a pop song, because we're singing all kinds of other songs as well.
1: Right, Mm -hmm. which is why we need more platforms for indies like Women of Substance and other things, because no matter how much we believe that we don't need to be stuck in a genre, it's hard to get that through to like the radio and the record people because they have you know these ideas of what's going to sell, and you know you're an investment and all that stuff, and they have to crunch their numbers. And I get all of that, so that's mm-hmm. why we create more opportunities for indies.
4: Mm-hmm. I yeah, think. I agree as well with Catherine, and and I understand that there's the that sort of you know context where they have what we need to is play ten songs within this amount of time, so no more than three and a half minutes is a sweet spot, but. I as well am very attracted to stuff that's outside of the mainstream, just because as an artist, I think that that's freeing that you're not limited to those kind of restraints. So, And
1: I, I think nowadays we are, we should just embrace things like Spotify because that and, and uh-huh. Pandora and things like that, because that is allowing us to go outside of that, all those constraints of radio, whether it's genre or length or any of that, um, you know,
2: we can find a place that we can fit in yeah. those kind of platforms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I want to jump in here too and just share. I Bree has just done an excellent job. Just the Profitable Musicians Summit, I think, was excellent because it showed so many streams of income that women are are actually succeeding with right now that are outside the box, like house concerts with Shannon Curtis, and just a variety of things. And um, that was really encouraging to me. And I will say when I first officially started my music career, I guess in 2014, although i had done music my whole life, men were the ones who first heard me sing and were very positive and got me going. And so I appreciate the influence of men, but finding the female indie commu- community, female indie musician community for me was the specifics where he provides the specifics and the support. And as community manager, I've, I've worked hard to, uh, to just with all these great women to make this a place where we support each other. And I see a lot of questions come through where especially young artists might feel like um, there are things that happen, you know, with men that are uncomfortable to them. And I don't want to get on it to anything negative, but just that we have a safe space where we can share in the community. We can support one another. That might be women only issues that we might deal with and and really encourage each other and I see like mentoring happening in our female indie musician community and we you know we really want it to be like that we want it to be safe and I think Sheila and Catherine you all are mentors whether you realize it or not and uh just for some of the younger artists and I think we're breaking those those molds that we've been told um that you know that you have to look a certain way or be a certain age. And as Brie, you mentioned, we have four, probably four decades here um, amongst us. People will have to guess who and which decade I'm just joking. But (laughs) But I I love it. And, you know, there, and I, and there's, uh, you know, there's some women that I meet with in a small group uh, who are listening probably right now that are in their sixties, um, and you know they're older than me and they're kicking butt with their music and they're making a positive impact and i yeah. think that's just fantastic so brie i shout out to you for creating these communities and katherine and sheila and all the ladies in our community for doing this and i want to mention something that i should have done earlier real quick but um we have ladies in our group who have invited friends of theirs we had one lady who in who met one member in the indie community who invited over a hundred friends to join a hundred. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And, and then Colleen Kitchen, I meant to give a shout out. If Colleen is listening, she invited 16 musical friends just this last week. So by you all and Catherine, you've done it and Sheila, you've done it, but just sharing the fact that we have this community with other, you know, musician friends. And I think it's a, a breath of fresh air. Um, and it is needed. And I learned something new every day. Um, from so many knowledgeable women and Brie is just the mastermind behind all this. So thank you, mm-hmm. Brie. Thank you. Well, it's, it's, been, it's been
1: a long journey for sure for me, um, starting with women of substance in 2007 and what it's grown into now. But I do want to mention too, like, you know, as we talk about women in music, we do really appreciate those men that do support us absolutely no, not like Beth said like the first people that heard her sing were men and they were supportive and they encouraged her and all that and there are so many supportive men so I don't want anyone to think we're men bashers in any <laughs> okay okay you know, sure. Adam was hanging out in the chat here <laughs> him and any other men that are hanging out and or listening to this podcast we love yeah. you we appreciate you and and there are so many men out there that are trying to make space for women in the industry. And I think if people like my friend Fett, who has his Empowering Women in Audio, which is coming up soon, if any of you are interested in that in Nashville, you can let me know. But um, he just really wants to help women feel empowered in the studio. And this kind of goes some of what what Tara's comment here about how when she goes to a music store, she uh, gets like you know, kind of condescended to sometimes by the people that work there because she goes in, she knows exactly what she wants. She wants this cable or this, you know, instrument or this, you know, sound patch or whatever it is that she wants. And they're like questioning her, like she doesn't know what she's talking about. So mm-hmm. why is it that that, you know, they assume that because we're a woman, we don't know. And a lot of that just goes back to, they need to do better training. Just like Starbucks had to take a day off, half a day off and train people on how to treat customers. Well, yeah. I think some music stores need to do the same thing. Yeah, I, de- I
4: definitely agree. And I have to say, like I was, it took me five music stores of renting equipment till I finally found the the guy who was really helpful towards, uh, you know, showing me how to use equipment ended up becoming a uh, my engineer and co-producer on my album but it did take a, a lot of tries before anybody took me seriously when I was looking for recording equipment you know it was just like oh there's stuff mm-hmm. over there whereas finally I didn't you know so definitely there are wonderful men as well mm-hmm. and I was yeah. very lucky to meet one who who just really took my art seriously and, and jumped on board to help well, me co-produce my
3: album that's what I was saying from the get-go is my uh the The men who run song studio are fantastic. All the men in the communities that I belong to around here are 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 great. It's all very inclusive encouraging and my producer, Chris Burkett, is just amazing and uh uh but i'm I was like i said i'm I was talking more about what's on stage, what's on the radio yeah absolutely
2: um, there's more work that we have yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I want to say, too, I just love all this discussion. Um, yeah, so I wanted to give a shout-out to Bernard Porter and Roger Ryan, if they're listening, um, for believing in me and my music to start with. And locally, I shared this recently, there's a magician, not a musician, but a magician in my area, and he has believed in my music. And just it only takes – if men are listening to this podcast and this Indie Interactive – Uh, A man can really make a huge difference um, in a female musician's um, career by supporting in small ways and believing in us. And I have noticed as I've gone out and done more live events and more local events, um, I feel like as women, sometimes we have to work like 10 times harder (laughs) and um, just, you know, to be taken seriously sometimes. Um, And it's not like that all the time, but Um, that's just some of the challenge, I think, that we face as women. And I I do love these communities where we can share that. But again, a shout out to the men who are supportive of female musicians and know that you are making a huge difference just by taking people seriously and being supportive. Um, And then for women, I think just mentoring and sharing, I think that relationship building is so important. And I, um, D Grant Smith, uh, Bree, who was on, you know, the Profitable Musicians Summit, he, he is such an advocate for women and I think he's encouraged a lot of women just with um, his manner of how he encourages and um, us to, you know, pursue and be, and uh, see Paul Freeman. I mean, there are, there are some great guys out there supporting women in music, so thank you guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, as you guys know, like I don't I don't do business with people that aren't going to support women. So anybody that I bring you guys is going to be someone that's going to be your champion, um, whether it's female or male. You know, obviously, when I partner with people, I try to find females in a certain area. You know, when I work with Michelle Lockie and Tara B, like they are fantastic. And I could be working with other people in booking and music licensing, but I choose them because first of all, they're women. And second of all, they're super knowledgeable. So just, you know, just know that I'm always trying to bring people in that are going to be very supportive of women. Um, So we are reaching like, we're almost at the one hour mark. So I just want to give everybody a chance to have a few parting words before we, um, we shut this round table down. And anybody in the chat, if you have any parting words or anything that you want to throw in, go ahead and do that. All right. Anybody want to give their final parting words? I'll start. I'll start. Um,
3: Just once again, thank you so much. Very honored to be here. I love the, I I love the daily, you know, wins Wednesdays and, and uh, the goals that we set and so forth. I love that Um, Facebook. I will contribute more to uh, we'll submit to women of substance and congratulations, Bree and, uh, and Beth on the success of this, this community i think it's fabulous what you're doing and um yeah just you know watch for my music i I also did start a a playlist on spotify from from women of sub or from the women well the first one f-i-m-a-c yes Um, and i have a few on there but then another woman came along and i think a whole lot more contributors happen. So I now have two playlists on my Spotify that started on that Facebook uh, on that Facebook group. So that's great. No, that's great. But thank you for having me. I loved it.
4: Yes, it was mm-hmm. nice to meet you, Catherine. And thanks for having me, uh, Bree and Beth. And I would just, anybody who's listening, I would just really encourage you to jump in and maybe explore the Patreon um, option because uh, just the amount of, Wealth and knowledge that you can gain from from um, this community is incredible, and I look forward to a lot more courses and a lot more um, information and wealth of the wealth of sharing that I've experienced. So, and you keep making music, keep making art.
1: Mm. And I do want to mention Carol. So, you know, Carol, uh, Nicodemi, she's, she partners with her husband, Ed, and he is like the biggest supporter of, of course, her and of women. And, uh, whenever they do their ads on women of substance, he always says that he's an honorary woman of substance. So I love that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Wow. Well, I wanted to, um, I just want to thank half. Thank you, Catherine. And thank you, Sheila, for being participants on here. um, for our finale. And it's just, um, it's an honor for me to work with Bree. Uh, she is a champion of women, female musicians from around the world. And it's been a joy to be the community manager of the uh, female Indian musician community and work with her at Women of Substance. And um, we love you guys. We enjoy, I really enjoy working with, with all of you women. And I learn just as much from you uh, as she learned from me and as I learned from Brie. So keep up the good work and keep making great music and do support us on Patreon. Consider that we do have great rewards. Um, check it out. So yeah, you- and
1: I'll just give some audio links. I've put them in the chat, but if you're listening on the podcast, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash femmusician. That's F as in female, E as an entrepreneur musician. And then if you want to join the group and you're not a member of the female indie musician community, it is free. Um, That is at WOScommunity.com because I started it in relation to women of substance and it's expanded into so much more. So WOScommunity.com. We'd love to have you. Thank you all for hanging out with us. We really appreciate you, all of you commenting, Cheryl and Mm Jesse and um, Carleen and every and Carol and everybody that always contributes so much. This is our season finale for the Indie Interactive. We're going to pretend this is a real TV show, and we're going to do a season finale because my kids are getting out of school, and I know a lot of you guys are going on vacations, and so we're going. To, I'm planning on um, starting this up again in uh, like August 20th, I believe. So um, watch for that, and in the interim, of course. We'll continue to have great interviews on the podcast. And so just watch the group and you'll see, um, we'll be posting about all those great interviews that we have. Make sure you're on my email list. So you get information about some of the great interviews that we have coming up. And uh, we'll be back again with you guys in August. So have a fantastic summer, everybody go do something fun and go make some great music over the summer. And thank you showing up for indie interactive thank you everyone thank you yes. thank, you. thank you so much now go out and make great music connect with your fans and grow your business female entrepreneur musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and Female femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by jen eads of 317 sound design and music by stella ronson